time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, this is Jeff Kinley, and welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast for a special Friday edition here. Um, taking just a very quick little break in the series that I just started on... Um, on really the problems that we have within us and what the Bible says about that, how to overcome the sinful urges that are within us. I'm doing a whole series on that, on the zombie within. But I wanted to take a quick break because of something that has happened uh, here in our area here. In in fact, uh, yesterday afternoon, my wife and I were were taking a walk around our property and, you know, getting some exercise and that type of thing. And um, we we started getting these storm alerts uh, on our phones and, you know, I would check the radar and the radar would tell us, you know, how fast it's coming and when it's coming. And my wife said, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to finish our walk here. And sure enough, um, the storm uh, began to come and uh, we, we have, uh, my wife has chickens, okay. And and so uh, the chickens were out outside in their little uh, outside pen and she was trying to get them in inside the, the actual chicken coop when the storm hit. And um, I was inside and I looked outside and I saw the, the storm had just there were high winds that were coming. We live up on top of a of a, a mountain here, and so the winds were sweeping through the valley and coming up on top of the mountain. And the trees, the huge oak trees we have in our our yard, is um, they're just they're bending and their the leaves are blowing and branches are breaking and things like that. So I immediately ran outside to go help my wife. And uh, when I got outside, I found her um, on the ground. Uh, hunkered down in front of uh, the chicken coop there because there was so much debris flying around in the air and at first I thought oh my gosh this is a tornado that's that's uh, that's suddenly formed here but then determined that no these these are just very high winds and uh, someone estimated the winds to be upwards of 100 miles an hour in some places in this area I live up in the Ozark Mountains uh, just south of Branson and so anyway we uh, we spent time just trying to keep from having debris uh, blowing into us and trying to get the chickens in and that type of thing. And we finally were able to uh, to make it inside. Things were blowing across our yard. Huge pieces of of equipment and you know chairs and just various things were were breaking loose. And so anyway, we got inside and rode out the storm. But it wasn't until a little later that evening that we heard uh, about what happened up in Branson, Missouri, on Table Rock Lake. And this is now making worldwide news. In fact, President Trump uh, even tweeted something about this uh, this horrible tragedy that happened uh, on Table Rock Lake where these people were on uh, what's called these duck boats, these tourist boats that uh, go out on Table Rock, Table Rock Lake, and the storm came up, and um, the waves were just so overwhelming and the wind, and one of these boats sunk. And uh, there were 31 people on board, and I think so far they've counted 14 uh, bodies have been recovered. Uh, and we're talking ages from one-year-old up to 70, so all ages. And uh, there are still some people that are unaccounted for. Uh, some are in the hospital in critical condition. Uh, but it was a violent storm on the sea. And these people tragically lost their lives in a horrible, horrible boating accident um, with these multiple casualties. And so, you know, when something like this happens and, you know, here are these people just innocently on their vacation. They go out on a boat on a lake thinking, hey, we're going to have a good time as a family. And all of a sudden, 
you know, this huge storm comes up and these people are dead. And so it immediately causes us to sort of ask the question, why? I mean, what, I mean, you know, you can, you can understand someone doing something stupid or, you know, you know, people have car accidents and stuff like that. But here are these people that are just out enjoying their vacation and um, you know, their moms and dads and kids and relatives that are not coming home uh, from from this excursion out on the lake. And so, you know, obviously people will naturally ask the question, why did God allow something like this to happen? Why does God allow uh, something like this to happen? And, you know, one of my books, uh, Uncovering the Mysteries of God, I talk about the mystery of evil and suffering. In other words, why why do bad things happen to people? Why do, why do people get cancer? Uh, why do they, you know, wh- why do they have car accidents? Why why do people, you know, why are people attacked by other people? Why do people die? Uh, you know, why do tragedies like this occur? And and you know, a lot of times we we look at things like this and and uh, we we want to blame God for these things. And I think that the, the 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 thinking behind this whole "Hey God, where were you?" kind of thing, why didn't you stop this? Why didn't you save these people? Kind of stems from a faulty understanding of who God is and what His obligation is to humanity. In other words, we think we immediately we want to pick out the the characteristics of God that we obviously resonate with and we love and we want him to have. We want God to be good, which he is. We want God to be loving, which he is. We want him to be merciful, which he is. And we want him to uh, treat us fairly, which he does. So when something like this happens, we go, whoa, 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 where was the love? Where was the protection? Where was the mercy on this thing? And part of this, I think, stems from the fact that we as human beings, I think naturally believe that the universe revolves around us, and that we are the most important thing. And therefore, God somehow is in our solar system, and he's there to, to do things for us. I even covered this a little bit in the last podcast. But we think that somehow, somewhere in the back of our mind, that God, because we know he's loving that that love characteristic, that love nature in him somehow obligates him to keep bad things from happening to people. And the truth of the matter is, there are kind of two truths here. The first truth is God actually does keep bad things from happening to us. I mean, we don't even know all the things that could have happened to us up to this point in our life, the almost wreck that we had, the cancer that was detected early or some person that was going to do you harm that God prevented. Those are things we don't even know about, but we know that he's done that for us because there are guardian angels, Jesus said, and he keeps those bad things from happening to us. But then sometimes things do happen. So we have to, we have to step back and say, okay, does God owe me a perfect life? Does he owe me a life free from pain and harm and tragedy? And the answer is no. He doesn't owe us that. So, so then we have to ask the question, so, so then why, why does he allow these things to happen? Because obviously someone would say, well, if God is all powerful, he could have stopped this tragedy. If he's all loving, he would have stopped this tragedy. Therefore, 
Since the tragedy happened, he therefore must not be either powerful or loving, right? That's sort of how that argument goes. But it's forgetting something else. It's forgetting the fact that God, if God, if God acted with that kind of love for everyone, then no one would ever experience anything bad. Think about that. Think of the logic there. Well, I'm a good person. No, no you're not. You're not a good person, not compared to who God is. If, if we want God to give us what we deserve, then unfortunately we all end up in hell because we all deserve hell. So, so if we want to put this on God to say, God, you're loving, therefore you should have done this or that or this didn't happen kind of thing, then no one in the whole planet would ever experience anything bad. But that is not the world we live in. God created a world, and it was perfect, and he created innocent, an innocent couple and gave them a mandate. They broke the mandate, and sin entered our world. And sin didn't just affect people who do bad things to other people. It's not just people who fly planes into buildings, those kinds of evil, depraved, barbaric human beings. But it's also the fact the world itself is cursed by sin. There were no storms in Eden. There was no death in Eden. God's intention, his desire, in fact, what he's going to bring back one day is a world without tragedy, without pain, without sorrow. In fact, it says in, in Revelation uh, 22 that he's going to wipe away every tear, Revelation 20 through 22. And there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. So there is coming a day when there won't be anything like that. But as it is right now, we live in a world where we experience bad things. Some of that in, involves nature. Hurricanes, tornadoes, tsunamis, typhoons, earthquakes, and bad storms. So the question is not really why didn't God prevent that because you can ask that about every single incident that has ever happened to anyone in life. I mean, there will be hundreds and hundreds of car accidents today all across America no one's asking, why doesn't God prevent them all from happening? Because I think in the back of our mind, we understand that God really doesn't owe us a smooth life. He doesn't owe anyone that. And bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to people who are doing great things. Bad things happen to righteous people. Bad things happen to evil people. But we're not on a reward system here. We're not on a payback system where all the bad people get all the bad things happen to them and all the good people have good things happen. That's not the way the world works. And it's not the way God works. God allows us to live in a world where sometimes bad things happen. So yes, he does allow this to continue, evil to continue right now and for tragedy to continue. So God must want us to focus our eyes in on something that is greater and higher and more spiritual than just this happened, why, this is bad, I don't like it, okay? So what is that something? Well, I believe that something is that whenever tragedy strikes, it is a like a flashing neon sign to the rest of us, first of all, to, to grieve with and for the people to whom this tragedy happened. I mean, there are families that are in unimaginable grief today because of this tragedy in Branson. 
So we should feel for them. We should help them any way we can, provide assistance, whatever they need, and and mourn. I mean, it's okay. It's okay to feel bad when some, when someone leaves the planet and you don't get to be with them anymore. Grief is good. It's healthy. But God would want us who are left behind to then ask ourselves some questions because when those people got on that boat, they weren't thinking, this is the last boat ride of my life. They weren't thinking, I'm going to drown or, or have my head hit and be knocked unconscious and drown. They're not thinking that right now. I'm going to be trapped under a boat. I'm going to die a horrible death. No one's thinking that at the moment. But God would have us to ask ourselves, you know what? What about my life? Because I don't know when I step outside my door and get into my car and drive to work or to school or wherever I go, I don't know that something's going to happen to me. Now, that doesn't mean we should live our lives in fear or in trepidation or peer around every corner, you know, just peering there saying, hey, uh, what's coming? You know, it's, it's not that we don't live in that kind of fear. But it's the idea, are you prepared? Sadly, these people are gone, but, but you're not gone because you're listening to my voice right now. So the question is, are you prepared? You know, Psalm 31, verse 15, it's speaking of, really speaking of people who are trying to kill the author of the psalm. But the author responds by saying, you know what, my, my times are in your hands. We've we got a, a beautiful print of that hanging in our house that we got in England. It's from the 1800s. It just, it's beautiful. It just says, my times are in your hands. Meaning, I don't have control over when I go or when I exit, or even what happens to me. Some things I have control over, other things I don't. My times are in your hands. Are your times in God's hands? I mean, do you recognize that they are? Because, you know, Job 14, 5 is an amazing verse. I mean, here's Job going through some tragedy of his own, some grief of his own, because guess what? He lost his house in the storm. He lost his family. They all died. children died but this is what job 14 says job 14 uh, 5 says this <clears throat> he's talking about man he says since his days are determined the number of his months is with you and his limits you have set so that he cannot pass so what job is is recounting there is the fact that there is a fixed number of days that we all get here on this planet. And God's in charge of that, um, that number. So the question is, what are you doing with that number? There's a beginning and there's an end. People call it the dash. You know, born this date, dash, died this date. It's the dash that really matters. Right there in the middle. So Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Lord, teach us to number our days. Why? Why would I, what, why would I keep cognizant of the fact that I have a mortality here, that I have a limited time here, that, that there's a set date in the future? It may be 60 years, maybe six days, six hours. I don't know. But there's a, there's a time for me to go. Why should I be taught? Why should I teach myself or be taught by God to number my days and be cognizant of that? 
it says in the last part of that verse, so that I can present to you a heart of wisdom. In other words, so that I can live my days with godly wisdom, so that I can make the most of my time here. It's not the length of days that matters. It's what you do during that dash. It's what you do with your life. So let let me ask you a question, a couple of questions. Number one, are you ready? Are you ready for that dash to end? Are you prepared for eternity? You know, the way that I came to Jesus Christ was, was someone caring enough to ask me, Jeff, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Boom. That's probably the most important question you can ask yourself. Are you prepared? And the way that you get prepared is by casting yourself at the feet of Jesus Christ and saying, Lord, please forgive me, a sinner. I need salvation from you. Thank you for your payment on the cross for my sin. Lord, I believe in you. I believe I want to follow you with my life. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Are you ready to go? Because it may not be a boat on the sea for you. Maybe something else. Maybe a heart attack. Maybe cancer. You may die at 99, but you may die tomorrow. You don't know. So just be prepared. And the second question is, what are you doing for God? Is your life counting for anything other than yourself? Even greater, you know, than than just yourself. I mean, are you giving yourself away? Are you using what God has given to you? Your intelligence, your time, your talents, your, your passion, your drives, your goals, your career path even, your money. Are you using all those things to help make a difference for God's purposes in this world, for God's kingdom in this world? Is your life counting for anything? Because let's just say you get, to, you get to live for those 90 years. And at 90, you, you close your eyes and you're gone. And boom, you're in eternity. You're with God if you're a Christian. And God looks at you and says, all right, what are you bringing with you? What have you done? And, and the, the life film of your life is going to be played. And all the good things are going to be highlighted. So the, the real question is, what are you doing for God? Are you making your life count for God? It's like the old saying that goes, only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. What are you doing for Jesus Christ? You know, we may not understand all the things that happen in our world. I certainly don't. I can't give a a, a reason. Only God knows the reasons. But things that we can know are the fact that our times are in his hands. Our days are numbered. And we should use those days to present to God a heart of wisdom. Hey, friend, make your life count. Don't be a zero. Do what God has put within you. Take that, that skill and talent and everything else that God's given you and channel it for his glory. Set your standards high and don't be satisfied with just living Don't be satisfied with just existing. But take every day, because we only have one day at a time, Jesus said. Be concerned about today, because today is all you have. And I pray 
that even this day would be a great day for you and that your mind will be set on him so that you can make a difference in this world and the time he's given you. Hey, I'll see you back on Monday for the Vintage Truth Podcast. We'll get back in our series again. God bless. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com. Hey, friends, please don't forget this urgent need of $250 that our ministry has in order to purchase more space online to keep these podcasts going. Go to jeffkinley.com, click on the Donate tab, and we can take care of that need and keep these things going. Thanks, and God bless.